Joseph Addison was an 18th century English poet who wrote some of his work in Latin, but later it was translated into English. And he wrote once about happiness, and he said this, The grand essentials to happiness in this life are something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. Think about life absent these three things. Nothing to do, nobody to love, nothing to hope for. That would be miserable. No activity, no love, no hope. Addison was correct, and he said it very well. The grand essentials to happiness in this life are something to do, something to love, and something to hope for. Joseph Addison was born in 1672. Now, much more important than Addison, though he worded this well. Long before Addison was born, before he wrote anything, before he penned this quotation, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm reading verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What is essential for a good life, for genuine happiness that is biblically based, that is God-based? Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. We came to this in our adult Bible class a few weeks ago, and then it became someone's favorite passage. And on Sunday nights for a number of months now, we have been delivering sermons based on passages you have submitted, and we have others that are queued up for Sunday nights in the future. Let's take a closer look at this. When Paul wrote to the Christians in Thessalonica, he was thankful to God, remembering without ceasing their work of faith. It was good for Paul to have this in his memory. It was no doubt good for his attitude. In his suffering, to remember without ceasing the work of faith of those who were members of the local church in Thessalonica. When you look at this passage in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, I think it is of value to think in terms of products. Not commercially, but spiritually. So think of productiveness. Think of products. What is produced by faith? What is produced by love? What is produced by hope? Starting at the first, faith produces work. And you can examine that in terms of God, the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and the Holy Spirit. And it would work this way. If you believe in God, a product of that belief is work, activity that he has directed, the work and activity of obedience to God. If you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, <coughs> that belief produces work as well, the work of obedience to him, following his, his example. If you believe the Holy Spirit has given these words we have read, that belief produces the activity of reading and studying and responding to what this book says. Faith produces work. Think of productivity, spiritually, not commercially, spiritual productivity. Faith produces work. Now, if there is a claim of faith, but an absence of activity, there should be a comprehensive re-examination of the validity of faith. James said faith without works, that is faith without what it's designed to produce, is dead. So if I claim to have faith, absent any activity connected to it, I need to stop and examine do I really believe? Do I really believe in God and His Word and His will? Do I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Do I believe this is the Word given by the Holy Spirit? Can it really be said that we believe in the genuine biblical sense if that belief isn't productive? The work of obedience is the product of faith. And the work of faith contributes, therefore, to our happiness as the Bible defines happiness. Our contentment, our joy. Some of the most miserable people I've known are people who say they believe in God but never ever act on that belief. The activity of faith contributes to genuine, biblically defined happiness. For instance, it is defined in Proverbs 29, 14. Happy is he who keeps the law. There are great strains and stresses imposed upon us while we're here on earth. Simply because we are here on earth. And so we get sick, we get old, we bury loved ones. Things happen to us that are unexpected and unpleasant. It may be a combination of a variety of trials and anxieties and pressures that bear against us all at once or all the time. And the impulsive human reaction is, I cannot be happy as long as this is happening and this is happening and there is this situation. I cannot be content. The activity of faith will not make all these problems on your list disappear. But the activity of faith will provide you with the strength that is essential to cope with whatever pain or stress you have. Genuine faith always produces change and growth and service and worship and obedience. And that enables us to be content 
in the biblical sense. Happy is he who keeps the law. Obeying God never causes stress. It always relieves it. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he thought something else about them that he remembered and that was good for him to remember. Their labor of love. You know, a, a Sunday evening group would know that very often in the New Testament, the Greek word translated love put into English is agape. And that word has this definition, active good will, consistently displayed. Though the object of that love may not be perfectly deserving. So the word agape is used in terms of God's love for us. He loves us. He maintains active goodwill toward us exhibited through the gospel. Though we are not worthy, we have not earned it and do not deserve such consideration. That defines agape. Now, agape is always active. Otherwise, it is not true agape, biblical love. And this love is not just a feeling. It is not just something you say. It is not just sentimentality. It is an attitude that you take with you into every day. It is goodwill that is productive of labor. Paul remembered their labor of love. Love is productive of labor. Husbands, do you love your wife? If you love her in the sense conveyed by this word agape, you labor to care for her. You work, not just having a job and bringing in income, but you work to care for her, protect her, show affection and warmth for her. The labor of your love for her results in patience, consideration, honesty, Compassion. This is the labor of love. Move to another relationship. The love we should have for each other as fellow Christians ought to be as captured by that word agape. I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 3. I'll meet you there in just a moment. Agape is deep-seated affection. It is not the kind of affection that you turn on and off. It is deep-seated affection, active goodwill that produces whatever labor is appropriate to that biblical-based love. John instructs us in love in terms of its activity. In 1 John 3, starting at verse 11. 1 John 3, at verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because... We love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 
everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. I'd call that active love, wouldn't you? But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So love here is manifest. Love here is active. To what extent? And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Then John says, we are to love one another not just in word or tongue, but in deed. See, the love God expects us to have is spiritually productive. It produces labor. And as we engage in the activity, the work, the labor of love, agape, God is glorified. The people around us are served in the highest sense. And we enjoy the assurance God spoke of in verse 19. By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. I want that assurance. I want happiness in the highest biblical sense. What does it require? The work of faith, the labor of love, spiritual productivity based on faith and love, and then the patience or the steadfastness of hope. Remember what Addison said. He had a good quote. The grand essentials to happiness in the life are something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. Now focus on that, that Paul wrote about long before Addison. Something to hope for. I tell you, all kinds of suffering can be endured if you know it's not going to last. All kinds of suffering can be endured if you know it will not last forever. If you are convinced it will someday be over. Well, that's the message of the gospel. To those who obey the gospel. Whatever you suffer as citizens of the earth, earthbound, whatever you suffer, you will not suffer that pain forever. It will someday be over. I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1 in just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1. To identify the condition, the circumstance of the Christians Peter was writing to, look at verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And in verse 6, lock into this phrase. You have been grieved by various trials. Perhaps you read this and you see yourself 
And you may say to yourself, I am now grieved by various trials. Now, the apostle Peter didn't try to convince them that their trials were not real. He didn't deny that they were in pain. He didn't tell them not to grieve or not to cry. Peter, writing to suffering Christians, told them of the hope they had in their grievous trials. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What was this living hope they enjoyed? Verse 4, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Maybe it will help in your trials when you read 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 to read it this way. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for me faithful children of God. I think 1 Peter chapter 1 is primarily about hope. Let's do some reading. In 1 Peter 1 I'm going to start at verse 3 and I'm going to read over through verse 13. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were, not, uh, that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things they had been announcing to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully 
on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I tell you, someday our earthly pains and concerns will be over. If you're a Christian, though you are suffering, though there are problems and difficulties, you have hope. It will be over someday. In the end, there will be this inheritance described by Peter in verse 4. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you and for me. Though we suffer now, even as we suffer, we can greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Now, what does all that produce? Remember, we're talking tonight about spiritual productivity. What does faith produce? What does love produce? Now, what does this hope produce? Patience. We can have the patience to get through present earthly difficulties and anxieties because we rest our hope fully upon the glorious future God has promised to his people. So, it's a good quotation, but it's based on foundational truth much earlier than Addison. He did, however, say it well, but Paul said it long before him. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. The grand essentials to happiness in this life or something to do, someone to love, something to hope for, and God has supplied all of that in such full measure. God provides for men and women today through the gospel of Christ the very things we need to have genuine and eternal happiness. Something to do, a work of faith, something to love, a labor of love, something to hope for, the patience of hope we enjoy as God's elect. Of course, to have these great things, individuals must respond and must participate and must engage in the activity of faith. God's plan for our salvation is this simple. We have a problem. God has a solution. God has the only solution. Our problem is sin. God's solution is to be found in Christ the Savior who died for us, we enter into that relationship through baptism and then we walk in newness of life. You know, these things are things that occur here. Faith, love, and hope before they occur out here in the activity of life. The greatest spiritual fight in any generation is the battle fought between our ears. I'm going to talk more about that next Sunday morning. The greatest spiritual fight in any generation is the battle fought between 
our ears. The maintenance of biblical faith, love, and hope needs to be here so it can be out here. God, through his word, calls us to respond. You may respond as we stand together to sing.